The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Broadcasting live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage in Salem, New Hampshire, USA. And broadcasting around the world, this is the Cigar Authority. Transmitting since 2010, the Cigar Authority is the longest-lasting cigar podcast ever. Grab a cigar and light them up, light them up, light them up. This is the Cigar Authority. Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. We had a hostile guest 12 weeks ago, and I got a call from a brand owner who said, let me do it, I'll tell them all, and I agreed. Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust is late, but he has the numbers. No. It is. Shocker. As usual. And uh, he's going to really tell us the cost of what it cost to make a meatball. Cigar brand. Make a cigar <laughs> brand. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. And you are listening to the Cigar Authority, now in its 12th year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcast by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest. The Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. And you catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog at thecigarauthority.com. Yeah, I got a text. He's running late. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Surprise. But last night, he was here for the meatball. He said, I'll be there by 1130. I said, no, you won't. He said, yes, I will. <laughs> I win. Or do I lose? He I said don't know. he was going to be here at 1130. 1130 in the morning. Yes. He, he was late for the event. You're right. He's late for everything. I, I think he's sitting in his truck and he just wants uh, everybody, oh, look at me, I'm here. Yeah? Yeah. We'll, we'll see. He's listening if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking behind his back. He hears you. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it. Let's, let's, maybe he doesn't want to open this cigar, and uh, a lot of people don't. They look at it and they're, they're appalled by it. And today's first cigar is Leaf by Oscar, and it's manufactured in Honduras by Jim Robinson and Oscar Valadares. The size is a 6x60 Robusto, and it features a Nicaraguan Jalapa Maduro wrapper over Honduran binders and fillers. It is part of the Cigar Authority Care Package Prime, and a single will set you back $10.69, while a bundle of 20 is $185.99, which comes out to $9.30 per cigar. That's a savings of almost $28, or 13% off the box price, or in this case the bundle price, on TwoGuysCigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try TwoGuysCigars.com. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. See, he was sitting in his truck waiting. <laughs> he came up, oh, look at me, I'm here. Wow. Fashionably late. So this is the ugliest-looking cigar and, ever. And we have people call up when they receive the care package appalled that we would send them a cigar that looked this dry. What's interesting that you're saying that is the first time, and I was the buyer, that was my first year buying when yes. I found this, and I placed an order, and I brought Dave a sample and of the Maduro, and he was like, what is this? This is amazing. I can't believe I didn't think of this. He hadn't even opened it yet. I love. He knew it. exactly what was going on. I loved it. I had to explain to uh, a few people that. So this is in the care package. Yes. So, so you got to explain it to everybody. Now. Yes. So this is instead of cello, the cigar is wrapped in a dry tobacco leaf. 
So what you're going to do is you're going to unwrap it as if it was Christmas morning or a burrito or something. <laughs> and inside... Don't worry about getting all this shit on the floor well, either. That's just why, that's why you have a, just lean back as far as you can. Hey, Jonathan, <laughs> Mickey anyway. Pegg says to tell you uh, he's not hostile. First of all, Dave's the one who said hostile. I did not. It was Steve Saka. <laughs> I agree. He, he said I had a hostile witness, and he's, he's going to straighten it out, and he is. The fact that I agree is of no consequence here. Right. But, I didn't say it. Okay. So once you remove the tobacco leaf, inside is what you smoke. Right. You take it out. And I don't know. It makes it seem oilier, although you don't know how it looked in the first place. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Is there something happening with the tobacco? Resting on top of the other tobacco like it does in the Pallone and brings the oils out? Or is, what's, it, just, what's, is it just gift wrapping? What's that, what's that uh, Spanish food that's wrapped in the plantain leaf and it's tied together? Tamale. Okay. I think it's like the tamale of cigars. Yeah. What's a hot tamale? Candy? I think it's that same thing, but it's Spicy heated. or hot or heated? Is it spicy or is it heated? I don't know. All right. I thought it was Never candy. had one of those in my life. Hot tamales. Hot tamales, the little red things in, yeah. the, in the box. I remember those. All right, let's give it a cut and light. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. All right. So, I like how he's here, and he has absolutely <laughs> zero sense of urgency to get his ass up right. on the he, stage. There's no urgency. What's he going to miss? The cut and the light? He knows how to do it. He can cut and light. <laughs> um, 60 ring gauge. Doesn't feel that big. No, it doesn't seem like a 60. Not yours. <laughs> I saved the 60 for Steve in case he wanted it. Oh, he banged his head. <laughs> oh, there he is. He's taking over. It's a takeover. <laughs> that was him banging the head. All those that are watching this, and yeah, you see heard, the, huh? the camera really shook. Well, look at it on the on the replay. Oh, God. <laughs> so, good draw. All right, I'll take that. Good draw, little... Um, Ed, you're going to have to shift that, because we're missing I, half a day. I know. I'm working Watch on it. Watch your head. Watch your head. My God. That that couldn't have felt good. All right, let's light her up. Was there an echo? We're going to light our cigar today with the Duke by Lotus. The Duke by Lotus features single action, which is uh, just waiting on my shot here. There we go. Duke, 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 Duke. You press the Lotus, button, Lotus, Lotus, and the lid pops Lotus, open. You got Lotus. three jets in line, Duke, fueled Duke by the patented Lotus. Duke, Vertigo big ass tank. <laughs> Lotus, Lotus, On the Lotus, back of the lighter, Lotus, you have Lotus, a Lotus, flip out cutter. And that's the end of the commercial. <laughs> and they Duke by Lotus, $69.99. Just buy one. Yeah. <laughs> so Dave will stop singing. If we sell three of them today, he'll never sing that song again. Mm. Big cigar. 60 ring. Yeah, it's thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't a little mind hay the 60s. on the cold draw. I don't mind the 60s as much as I used to. I hate them. A lot of smoke. So I saw it at the trade show. Jonathan brought it over to me. I was manning a trade show booth at the time. I said, we're all in on this thing, right? He said, I knew you would love it. 
and we're all in. And that was a lot of years ago. Yeah, well, the opening order was give me 10 bundles of each. And you smoked the Maduro, and you were like, ah, I'm the Maduro. And I'm like, he says that it's mild. I had only smoked the Connecticut at that point. And I said, he said it's on the milder side. You lit it up, and you were like, how many did you get? And I go, 10 of each. Go back and triple that right now. This is going to sell. I loved it. And it is. It yeah, sells. The, the Leaf Connecticut's a huge seller. The most expensive bundle out there. Mm. But um, you, you would think they would have wrapped the bundle in tobacco leaves. There is a, there is a, there is a piece Half. of tobacco in there as okay. part of it. So the cellophane covers it. But the there's no way you could maintain the structural integrity of a bundle without having some sort of reinforcement. Okay. All right. So last <laughs> night, the meatball. What do you want me to say? Come are on you, in, Steve. You, Come on. <laughs> I want to be graceful about this. No, oh, grace was way too late. Yeah, too you late. into yeah, yeah. the camera. You're late. <laughs> Forget the gracefulness. I lost it years ago myself. For a while, uh, it was like being on the airplane. You were happy somebody didn't have the middle seat, so you had a little extra leg room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy shows up late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's been me before that I had the middle seat. And I'm late on the plane because they switched my plane or whatever, so I got to take whatever I have. And I'm walking down the aisle, wobbling down, and you can see the faces of not the other here, people. Not here, not here. Please, not him. And I go past, and then I, I'm sorry. It's me. You got me. I'm, I'm all sweaty and fat. I'm the guy. I'm the guy sitting in the middle. Breathing heavy. Yep. And I'll be perspiring the rest of the show, rest of the uh, How's your flight. Nugget, Steve? Hi, Steve. Durable. There's no scars, right? Nah. nah. Heck. First we, off, we have a um, um, an Oscar. If you would like it, if you want to smoke your own, by all means, uh, you don't have to. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so last night the meatball, you uh, were a two time champion, and uh, you said I would like to attend this year. Bought a ticket so you could harass the people. And what did you think on the other side? I thought it's much more enjoyable experience yeah. being on the other side. Yeah. And I highly recommend attending and highly recommend not competing. All right. Mm. All it's right. a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, you've done it now, what, four times in a row? That was the fourth. Yeah. I mean, and complaining this morning. Well, it's not here's the, the thing. I found a friggin' loophole in bacon somehow. Because if you put bacon on someone's ice cream, they're happy. Mm-hmm. You put bacon in someone's grits, they're happy. Donut. You give somebody free bacon on their burger, they are happy. I gave them free bacon on a meatball, and they deducted points, and they told me, listen, your meatball was the best one. I had to take a couple points off, though, because you wrapped it in bacon. Right. I, that's what, what I told you yesterday, because at the table, at the people I was talking to, because this has always been a question about the contest, it's supposed to be a classic Italian meatball. That's always kind of been the standard, and bacon does not make it classic, so therefore people took away I this year judged the meatballs differently because last year the cheese stuffed meatball won. One. And I'm like, well, if cheese in the center fits the criteria, why does not bacon on the outside fit the criteria? So I, I personally removed the – I tried it with the bacon, and then I removed the bacon and tried it just the meatball without the bacon on it. And I judged it. For me, it was very close between his and Carney's meatball. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations to, uh, to our good friend who won. Yeah. But he was like number three for me personally. I had Connie's meatball as number one too. After deducting a point for the size, <laughs> it was very small. Yeah. And listen, I'm a fat guy. I am deducting for size. Well, That's you, all there is to it. You size do matters. Specify golf ball yes. size. And that was no golf ball. No. 
No, that was, was a marble. Mar- right, yeah. A meat marble. That's yes. what I said. Yes. <laughs> but it was a very tasty meat marble. Yeah, it was, it was delicious. It, was it left you wanting more. Yep. <laughs> that was the idea of it. Uh, I'm surprised the, the, the attendance that happens on it. When I tell you attendance, if, it, if we had four times the room, we could have sold four times. Because sure. it sells out in the first day. I'd have arthritis. I'm not making that many meatballs. That's how you get me out is make a bigger room, and I'm out. It's yeah. interesting what people like. Um, and at the, same the other thing, that only three people didn't show, which is also unheard of for events. Normally, with a sellout 50-person crowd, you get 40 attendees. This was only three people that didn't make it. And one was because of a death in the family that I'm aware of. Okay. So we have to give that person a pass, no? They get a pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, we also did the Cigar Wars. What did you think of that? Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Look, I paid my ticket price. I come to an event. <laughs> I don't think I should be there to be a focus group. So I understand it's your thing. It's your thing. It's your thing. But hey, I'm not there to work for you. I mean, normally if I go to a focus group, I get something. I get a t-shirt. I get a hat. I get 20 bucks. I get something. So I don't know. I don't understand the concept of me paying to well, be you, in a focus group. So you didn't participate, I take it. You didn't want me to participate. <laughs> I, I did you a favor. All right. And so if they go to one of your events and they buy some cigars, do you ever ask them what they think of the cigar? Hell no. Why, Why do, do I care? care? <laughs> I got their money. Yeah, they'll figure it out. <laughs> then they think of well, we did it, and I have the results of it anyway. So the idea was to have um, three of the same exact cigars of the same brand, the Connecticut version of Garofalo Robusto, uh, La Familia, Connecticut sun-grown in Maduro, and... There was draw, burn, flavor, and overall performance with the total. So I took the totals and I added them all, added them all up to see which they prefer. Just like the meatball thing was going on, and I was surprised with the amount that I got back, which was um, ten, twenty, thirty-four, thirty-four out of 50. forty-eight. Right, two people didn't show forty-seven. Um, so pretty good. Uh, so not everybody was an asshole, and some not everybody, but <laughs> but most of the people uh, did participate, and I don't know if they liked it or not. Uh, that's a, a question I should have said. Do you like doing this? Um, but typically, they usually get two cigars. This time, I gave them three, so I gave them an extra cigar to fill out the form. Mm. If they so chose you did receive not. compensation, Steve, and you didn't follow through on the arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> It was United Cigar, right? They were the yes. host because they were the winner the previous year, right? Yeah. So I was expecting a selection of United Cigars. Instead of a selection of one of the brands. Instead of a selection of one of the brands and also having to basically be your guinea pig. Okay. So I will say, look, I'm going to buy a ticket next year, but I expect that to be corrected. <laughs> because if that is not corrected next year, I will be much more vociferous about my uh, impo- about my complaints. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think was um, the lowest of the three? Uh, Connecticut Sun Grown and Maduro, the lowest of the three chosen for favorite. I didn't smoke them, and I'm going to say it's the Habano. It was the Maduro. Ah. Came in last place. Uh, followed by? Connecticut. I'm going to say the Habano. Uh, Sun Grown Habano, yeah. and the number one was the Connecticut. So the Connecticut got 16 people that liked it the best. Your only choice was like it the best, mm-hmm. which we t- we discussed that, right? One, oh, I don't know if that was with you. One thought of, of voting for the meatball was pick your favorite, check mark, period, that's it. Or 
pick your favorite, five points, four points for the second favorite, three, two, one. Right. What is this, a New York election? <laughs> is that what happens? They, I don't know. That's what they want to do. They want to do a weighted election well, you, system. So that's what we did t- doing that pizza thing we did the other night. So then I said, let me just make it easier for him and just pick a check. I think the outcome would have been different if... Yeah, I'd be your champion well, of right of course now. the outcome would be different. Because a lot of people would have picked yeah. that the black flag meatball as number two. Or two or three. But yeah. I mean, it definitely... I mean, it's it's... This is the thing with all data collection, all ratings, no matter what they are, they're always skewed. They're always biased. It all depends on how you do the do the math and set yeah, up yeah. the guidelines. You can you can oftentimes control what comes in top and what comes. You can't necessarily take something that's dog shit and make it number one, but you can definitely manipulate. There's no doubt yeah, about of, it of how you end up doing it. So yeah. Connecticut, sixteen points. Sungrown was ten, and Medora was eight. And that's pretty much how it works in Asagashaw. For sales. For sales. Yep. That we will do double the Connecticut to the Maduro. Hmm. Uh, and I would say that's across I the board. That's across I would the think. industry, though. Yeah. I mean, 50% of cigars yeah. sold on average are Connecticut shade wrap cigars. At an event like that, I would think it would be more skewed to the what would be believed as the heavier body. But when it comes to that brand, I think... Well, I think people were also, and I heard a lot of feedback, that people were shocked at the body on the Connecticut. Mm. Shocked. And these are guys that are that are some hardcore cigar smokers. They couldn't believe how good it was. And I think that's why it... it I don't know. I, I find that stuff interesting. And I, I was hoping to get the answers by the time to be to actually do on the show, but people were still smoking the cigars. So we right. stayed a couple hours after until we could get the data we wanted anyway. What do we do with that data? I have no idea, but um, there it is. Knowledge is power. So a few months ago, I get a call from angry Steve Saka. Mm. Not angry, disappointed. Disappointed? Yeah. And, uh, How do we tell the difference between those two emotions? <laughs> um, normally, angry has, you know, fuck you, fuck your mother, fuck your kids, fuck your animals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it didn't happen. It wasn't swears. No. no. But he wasn't happy. I'll tell you what. It was because I had expectation. I, I saw you were having a program where somebody was going to discuss what it costs to get in the cigar business. And you had somebody who had worked at a previous company and worked at a new company. And basically, he didn't give anyone any information. He, like, avoided every question. In yes, fact, it's did. the only conversation I've ever heard about what it costs to get into something that there was not a single dollar amount even mentioned. Right. And I just was... It was, I was, it was I very was, tough for us. And look, I don't... I only have so much time in my life. And I spent the whole two hours listening to the podcast. Waiting for the answer. Waiting for something. <laughs> yeah. And there was nothing. And I was kind of like, oh, what was that? I would yeah. like permission to treat Steve Saka as a hostile witness. <laughs> no, the, hot, the hostile witness. Go the guy for it. What are we talking the guy about? We interviewed. <laughs> the guy we interviewed. Dave. Which, so you know what you do when that and case he's happens? he's a good guy. I mean, he's he, got a nice you know, brand he's starting up. I wish yeah. him well, but... No, Nikki, you sucked. Yeah, you know I mean, what you, you do just, with a guy like that. Do, you, you just should have said, "I'm not doing that." Yeah, right. you know okay, what you do that's with a guy not like, my program. What you do with a guy like that? You name him the cigar of the year. That's <laughs> yeah, what you do. I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which had nothing to the, do with his performance. The chat room, <laughs> chat room says he was not hostile. He was evasive. Evasive. Okay, yeah, be- okay. better word. Better word. Yeah, he was. He was like. Uh, he was like anybody from the the Biden administration on Fox <laughs> News, right? That's what he was. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, couldn't give an answer. So today, you are going to do it, right? I'm going to do it. 
Okay. I'm going to do it in a way that's probably going to... It actually shocks me what I'm about to do. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So I was going to ask questions, but instead you would Ugh, just like... You don't to need to ask any questions. All right. <laughs> you don't even have enough time in this program. All right. But I got I to gotta move you along because uh, we're 20 minutes into it. So uh, in We the- have an after show. Already did it. Yeah. You already did it. Yeah, because you were going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just guessed that we would do it. So when you, there's the, the little. Oh, we got trip. handouts. All right. Oh, my. All oh, right. yeah. It's all in there. Do oh, I get to keep right. this? Yeah. Yes, I, I don't want to start a cigar industry. Yeah, absolutely. So this <laughs> is the, business? if you want to get into the cigar business yeah. as a brand owner. Yes. Okay. So now, there's you, a lot of caveats with this. This is, there's a lot of these numbers have been massaged a bit. They're not necessarily the way DTT did it. They're not necessarily the way you could do it the very cheapest. They're the way you can do it and have maybe an opportunity of being successful. Okay. And you also have to understand that in the last century and a half, there's been over 300,000 brands introduced to the United States. Wow. So you know how many have failed, okay, just by looking at what's yes. currently available, <laughs> even in the biggest of whole catalogs. Yeah. So wow. this, is a, this is a pretty high attrition rate. Okay. So this is kind of like ground zero as to what I think it takes to – have an opportunity to potentially be successful. Boy, you, you, not have, that there you have the answers to my questions. Not, exactly right. like you said. Not, not that it can't be in a, little, in a little cheaper. And honestly, I think most people, it costs them more than what I'm about to exhibit. Okay. And the other thing you have to understand is, and we'll get into this more, but I am not a good representation of most people that get into the cigar business because I have 30 years experience, exec at JR, ran Drew Estate, I have a huge leg up on almost everybody. So so your first one, which is um, research and development, you really didn't have to – you already had it. You did years of research and development. Yeah, I mean – Yeah. But there are certain things that you have to do because you don't know anything. You don't know anything about how to get something printed. You don't know how to Mm -hmm. get anything made. You don't know who the right contacts are. So this first number in the first section is just what it costs to get the first 1,000 boxes of cigars in the United States. And that's not that many boxes of cigars, okay? And also... We're talking 10-count boxes? We're talking 25-count. Okay. Okay? Because I had to go somewhere with a baseline. Yep. And part of the problem, too, is you also have to understand that a factory is not going to produce you a brand if you're not willing to commit to at least 25,000 cigars. Now, there's some podunky factories out there that will do 5,000 for you, sure. But they won't do 5,000 cigars at a real factory for some unknown dude. Okay, Nor will they make a real the- blend for you. Nor will they you, make a real yeah. blend. And even this, this is, this is run-of-the-mill, middle grade. This is not the very bottom end, nor is this like Dunbarton quality style. This is kind of in that well, I see you have eight two to categories $12. Here. Well, there's a few things that were glaring errors. Yeah. So just initially to just do what we would call product brand development, you basically have roughly about 6K in research and development. You have approximately 12,500 in just basic design work because now if you're a really good with Illustrator and Photoshop, maybe you can absorb some of that burden yourself. But if you don't know how to do pre-press, print-ready files, that's a skill set onto itself. So just because you're good using Illustrator, you're good using Photoshop, that's not a file that you can give to a printer. So I would say that the average person should anticipate spending about 12.5K on that. The other thing that you're going to need is you're going to need to pay for the initial tools, the... uh, 
the dyes to cut the bands, the dyes to emboss the bands, the cliches to silkscreen onto the boxes, whether they be done in a traditional heat cliche, whether they be done in a silkscreen, whether they be done in an embossed brand. Now, you're going to do embossed brands, you're going to spend more, but I would say an average middle cost to do one brand is about $4,500. And I've based this on looking at probably 12 or 13 brands that I've done over the years. And so this is kind of an average. That's also assuming the sizes you're going to pick, one band is going to be able to handle I'm both. Assuming, I'm assuming that you're going to do four sizes where one band is going to hold up. everything. That yep. was the basic premise. Four sizes initially, one band that's going to handle all four yeah, sizes. I've made that mistake. Now, you can see the column beside. When I did my first brand for DTT, Sober Mesa, I spent $27,000 on tools. Okay? But that's not normal that you would spend $27,000 Not on normal tools. die cuts. Yeah, not yeah. normal in any way whatsoever. And then you're going to have some initial setup costs because nobody is going to print these small quantities or make these small quantities without an initial cost. Because it's not like you're saying, hey, make me a million of them, and those costs get embedded. And you should estimate you're going to spend roughly 7500 there to do just an initial basic trademark registration. The first is going to cost you roughly 2000 in legal fees. Now, if you do it yourself, you can cut that down to about 1000 but it's really a bad way to save money because intellectual property is very confusing, and it's one of the places that I always recommend to new people that they spend the money. So you should anticipate about two k in that first year just to do one brand. Now, you're going to spend about five k to the end of the cycle, and this is also assuming that it's a trademark that there are no exceptions by the trademark office that you have to respond to, nor you have any challenges on. So if everything goes swimmingly smooth, 2K, 5K to the end, but if things go off the wire, you can spend anywhere from ten, twenty, dollars $100,000, okay? But let's assume that doesn't happen to you. You then are going to have to have some sort of legal incorporation, right? Again, if you do it on LegalZoom, you spend a few hundred dollars. But I think legitimately, I think about 2K is a very good figure that you would be able to get this done with some reasonable legal help to get your basic charter and your COA and all those things that are necessary to incorporate as a business. I put about 7K for site visits. That's assuming one person taking the time to go to the location where the cigars are made on average about three times. And that's taking into consideration current cost of airfare and hotels and COVID tests and the related back and forth. Initial packaging, to get the bands that you need to make um, enough cigars, the minimum quantity you're going to do bands is about three to 5,000. And that's a mid-grade band. That's not like intemperance by Romacraft, not to knock it, but it's not Opus X either. It's something that's kind of in the middle. You're going to be about three to 5K out. Have you done bands this year? Oh, yeah. Because it went up. Yeah, they went a up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm paying about 40% more this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, for example, on the Sober Mesa band, I spent 20 to 30K on those bands, okay? So my four $5,000 estimate doesn't cover it, but I was also printing way more bands than I think the average company would start. 32,000. We'll talk. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then you're going to have some sort of additional seals or stickers or something most brands do, whether that be a warranty seal or whether that be some sort of whatever. So I put about two to four K there on average. And then you're going to need to have UPC stickers. And luckily, those are relatively cheap. If you do a generic style UPC sticker, it's only going to cost you about 500 bucks. You're going to have to... You're going to have to spend about 62500 on the first... Are you barcoding 
the cigars and the and the, and the single and the singles. Okay, good. Yeah, because if you don't, you're an idiot you're at right. this point. Retailers expect it. So to get the initial reasonable minimum order for to even bother starting, I think about twenty five hundred, about a thousand boxes, twenty five thousand cigars, and that'll be about again a mid range kind of product. Something's going to be priced in the nine to eleven dollar range. You're going to be out of pocket about sixty two five on that, and then you have to take into serious consideration the import transit, the taxes, the FDA user fees, and then your TTP processor that's going to handle all of that for you. That ends up adding additionally about another 22K, all said and done, to get your very first 1,000 boxes delivered to the United States of a reasonable quality cigar with reasonable quality packaging, you're at about $144,000. Here's my question. What would you suggest somebody do with a thousand boxes as far as the anticipation of the sell through? Because that, that's 144,000. You can't sell all the cigars and then restart this process again. So at some point you have to figure out when, when's my well, reorder. Right. And that's, and that's something that's going to depend on your sales, right? But you haven't made well, sales yet. Right. You haven't made sales. What I'm telling you is before you sell cigar number one, you should anticipate being out about 150 G's. And so that's $150 per box, your cost. Right. <laughs> and now you're going to sell that probably to cigar shops who are going to sell that cigar. And everybody has to make money in between. You have to make money from that $150 your cost and sell it to me for a certain amount. And then I'm going to get that. And you better give me enough margin. And then I'm going to sell it. So now you got to anticipate, is that cigar a... X amount of dollar cigar. I like to work backwards. Is there a way to do it cheaper? Could I get away with getting that first thousand boxes for 85K if I knew how to do everything myself and I was willing to cut corners here and there? Yes. But I really think to have a product that's going to do decent on the shelf and have an opportunity, you really are in that 125 to 175 range in order to get enough for you to begin working with. Now, does this mean that there isn't some guy out there that gets 500 boxes and he grinds it out and he found some podunky little chinchillas that was willing to do a smaller <laughs> order? Yeah, that's possible. You can do that. But is that brand going to have any hope of surviving? Because it's got to compete in a marketplace where everything is brown and round. Yeah. Everything is competing head to head. And you got people like me that are just going to eat your lunch. You know? Yeah. So, and you're talking about you have a $15 cigar on the market at this point. Look who your competitors are. Yeah. They're really good cigars. Your cigar well, better be like really I said, good. I did not put this based on Dunbarton. Yeah. We'll talk about Dunbarton in the tail end of this. This is basically, you ask the question, what does it cost to get into the cigar business? What does it take? This is what it takes for you to have a product to now sell. Now, you obviously have to have a mechanism and an operation in order to sell it. And that's what the next section is. All right. We'll get to that in a second. So that is the initial startup for you to do it. Early thoughts here on the Leaf by Oscar 6x60 Maduro. What do you think, Barry? Uh, a lot of chocolate. There's a little honey sweetness. Uh, I asked our chat room what they think of the strength is, but uh, I'll defer to give their answer until uh, we chime in. I got it at about a six. Five. Hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm low. I'm, it's it's going to build up as it goes on. I think big, five is big, fair. Happened to be a big seller for us, by the way. Big seller. I'm just amazed. You're talking about no marketing that's going into the cigar. It's been out there for a long time. What are you and it talking continues about? To grow. It's marketed by this alone. You see this on the shelf, and you have to try it. Yeah, right? but I mean, there's no advertising. There's no, you know, yeah. he's not going around doing events in stores or anything like that. 
Uh, but yeah, the packaging alone, plus or minus, it gives some negatives. Who would buy this piece of crap? Mm-hmm. Is what some people hold it in the hands. Say, you take it out of the thing. You got to teach them what to do. And seventy percent and seventy two percent in the chat room says it's a five six. Okay. They have to do it in increments okay. of two. We're on there. What do you think, Mr. Jay? Yeah, I think there's a there's a little hint of spice on the finish, but other than that, Barry kind of nailed it with the. Uh, Not the my particular size of it, but I've been a fan of this a long time. Ed Sullivan, you're smoking it. What do you think? Uh, straight up medium. Yeah. You know, I think anybody could smoke this. It's not. All right, let's it's see. very approachable. Let's see as, as, as it develops. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, uh, we're going to continue. What does it cost to start a cigar brand? He's got a lot of numbers and facts here. I'm interested. I hope you are, too. Stick around. We're live in the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. To some, tradition is a catchphrase. To us, it's a guiding light, for there can be no great future without reverence for the past. Hammer and Sickle Tradition Series cigars are handmade, employing only time-honored methods. Meticulously crafted of individually selected tobaccos, Tradition Series is a blend of three-year-aged Dominican Viso and Lijero, all finished inside a breathtaking five-year-aged Connecticut shade wrapper. Tradition Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Romeo y Julieta Reserva Real Nicaragua, the Nicaraguan expression of America's beloved brand, Reserva Real. Reserva Real Nicaragua is a Nicaraguan puro, meticulously blended by Rafael Nodal and made by A.J. Fernandez. The Reserva Real Nicaragua will take Romeo lovers and Romeo novices alike on a journey through premium Nicaraguan tobaccos. Reserva Real Nicaragua. It'll steal your heart again. Surgeon General warning, tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease, even in non-smokers. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. 
Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar-making process. Padron Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. Hey, what's up, people? This is David Ortiz, Big Papi from the Big Papi Cigar. You're listening to Cigar Authority. And we are back. We're smoking the Leaf by Oscar 6x60 Maduro with Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. We're talking about what does it really cost to make a cigar brand. Welcome back, everybody. And I know you're already probably sticker shocked, but this is just the beginning. So let's take it from there, Steve. Where are we? All right. So basically, to get the cigars landed in the United States so that you have something to sell, about 150 k roughly. The next thing is about how do you sell these cigars. You have to have a warehouse to distribute them. You have to have a, an office to manage them. You have to have all the things that any businesses need, an accounting system, and yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to run through these really quick because it gets really boring. But again... I didn't base this on Dunbarton. I based this kind of on a concept of I want to have a business that I'm ready to set up that will run effectively and efficiently and will scale to up to a million dollars in sales, separate of employee costs, separate of additional cigar costs, because those are very flexible. So this has no employee costs. This has no cigar costs in it beyond your initial you know, 25,000 cigars. So for there's also nothing on here about uh, the cost of actual boxes either. Well, so I, I embedded the, I embedded the price of the box in the cost of the cigars. And gotcha. again, like I did with the packaging, I did mid tier for the yep. cigar bands. Yep. I also did mid tier, like Mike Rita grade kind of packaging. Not too fancy, but not not too cheap either. Just kind of in the middle. And the styles and boxes can certainly be four yeah, sizes, I mean, 250 boxes of four uh, sizes. Look, these Sin Compromiso Paladin de Saka boxes, those are $20 right, boxes, right. right? Sure. You know, a Mike Rita box is a $7 box. Yeah. A Sober Mesa box is a $9 box. So it really depends. You're not going to get anything much lower than $7. Yeah, I mean, look. Is there every once in a while you can get something for five bucks? Yeah, but they're just so crappy yeah, that you're like, you're not giving your brand any opportunity for success yeah. whatsoever. So, basic office and warehouse space, you need about 2,000 square foot to operate under. So, I ended up using a cost of about 25,000 because obviously that varies greatly depending on what your locale is, but you should expect to spend about 2K a month roughly on the space now you're, that you're running. Now, if you're doing this out of your house in your garage, fine. But that's not really a sustainable long-term way to operate. You're not going to be able to operate a cigar business from your home long-term. 
insurance. You're going to spend about five to six K a year because you need to cover the cost of not only the office, your liability insurance, not if someone gets sick from cigars, but just somebody slips and falls, the glass windows break, you have theft in your warehouse, all of these things. You're going to be about five to six K. Local fees. This one gets a little fuzzy, but typically you're right around 500, you know, for certificate of occupancy, the fire inspection, those kind of things. And then I have local licensing. And I just put a question mark on this because this varies so dramatically from state to state. In the state of New Hampshire, as a manufacturer, it's zero. Well, I pay $100 a year, okay, is what I pay. Other states, a license can cost as much as 5000 a year. So that's just something you have to take in consideration. So I didn't compute that in the cost because it depends on what state you're in. General utilities to operate a place like that, about 2000 electric, about 1000 in oil and gas. If you only have one or the other, it still works out to be about three to 4000 a year to operate that amount of space. Telephone. A real business phone system, not you working from your cell phone. About a 4K investment in order to have three phone lines is about what it's going to take. Um, Internet's about 2400 a year. Water, about 200 And a security system. This is optional, but about 1400 a year. And I would highly recommend a security system. For Repair- this fictitious uh, Yeah. Repairs and maintenance. I put making. zero. We're going to assume that everything's new and spotless and you're not spending any money. But obviously, this is going to escalate as you go along. For example, Dunbarton last year spent about $15,000 on general repair and maintenance around the company. So that number will go up. Even though you're renting, they need to understand that the place you rent is going to be triple net, meaning that everything that goes, for instance, our HVAC went in the Seabrook store uh, this week, and we called the HVAC guy, and he said it's going to run about $40,000. And I called the landlord because we don't own that building, and he said it's a triple net building, it's all on you. Right. It's 40000 yeah. yeah, we've been there for a long and time. And the thing is, if you don't pay it in a triple net lease and you get a full lease, you pay it just higher than the lease cost. Yeah. Right. So you're paying for it one way or the other. There's no free lunch. Yeah. So whether it ends up as a separate line item or it ends up as uh, embedded, ultimately in the end, you are going to pay something. There's no way around it. Um, general office expenses. I had. I just looked at what Dunbarton spent in the first year for this one. We spent about 18k in just general office setup. You know, computers, desks. You know. All the things that you need. Uh, us, you know, look, building we moved into didn't have any sort of kitchenette or sink, so we had to add a sink. You need to just there's expenses that you have to incur. General office supplies about fifteen hundred. Um, ancillary equipment about four thousand. Do you have a forklift? Um, I don't have a forklift. My forklift isn't even in these numbers. This is you manually humping. Um, I don't want to do that. I want a forklift. So, yeah, well, forklift right, forklift right now runs roughly. I just priced a forklift. They're running about twenty four to twenty eight thousand dollars new um, Worth used. It. They're running about eighteen k. Um, you're going to spend about five thousand a year in software costs between whatever your uh, accounting software is. Whether, and I'm assuming you're not going into like NetSuite with Oracle, but you're going like QuickBooks Enterprise, something like that. The various applications that you need, just MS Word and email accounts and all of this and that, you're going to be about 5K there. You're going to spend about 8K in vehicle expenses. I'm assuming that you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive somewhere and you're going to try to sell these cigars because you can't just do it staying stationary, particularly in the beginning. So you should pretty much spend on planning about 8K there. And just general random shipping that's just part of doing business, not dealing with product, you're going to roughly spend about 2 k And then charitable contributions, I put 2 k because when you're in the cigar business, everyone's going to hit you up for stuff. And because you're trying to be the nice guy and 
you just kind of end up having to give some charitable contributions, even if you're not feeling charitable, <laughs> you almost get forced to it. But that's a very flexible number. You can go from zero, you can go to $50,000, right? It really 2K depends. is weak. We, is weak. <laughs> weak. It is weak. I agree. I mean, it's obviously not. You've you notice, spent that on Barry every time he weasels a cigar from you <laughs> just this year. You notice what I put there. I put varies widely yes. out to the right of that one. Travel. Travel is a significant cost in our industry because after you get done with those initial site visits, you also have additional site visits. You have trade shows. You have events you have to do. Um, I think the average company should anticipate spending about $18,000 a year on air travel at the current rate, about 8000 on cars, about 12000 on hotels, about four k on gas, and then about another eight k in per diem. Whether that is you spending it yourself or that's you uh, supplying the money to your salespeople, one way or another, you're going to need to spend about that amount of money. So you're looking at somewhere around roughly forty to fifty k in travel expenses that are going to be necessary to give your brand an opportunity to have any chance of success. Marketing, and this is a really big category that really the numbers can go really crazy in. So I took a very, um, I took a very, a reasonable amount of marketing, but also a responsible amount of marketing. But you also have to understand that marketing for me is much different than marketing for someone else because I already come into it as a known quantity for a lot of people, right? And when you're just whatever, like, you know, Carolina Blue Cigars, they're at the TPE next to me. They're an unknown quantity for most people, so they might have to spend more. But in store events, you're pretty much got to spend about 40K a year doing store events. Trunk stock to your brokers and to your salespeople, you're going through about 15K worth of cigars. And other samples that are given out in a variety of different ways, including Barry, there's about 14,000. <laughs> and you'll go by your cost of goods, right? I'm these going, numbers. Yes, these are costs these are costs. These yeah. are not what I'm losing in sales. You Correct. could double all these numbers if sure. you treat them that way. Um, meals and entertainment, you're gonna spend about three. You'll be surprised. Even when you're just buying these guys pizza and bagels and donuts and uh, you know, a few meals out at a couple steakhouses over the cost of the year, it's not hard to rack up three K even when you're super frugal. Swag, t shirts, hats, whatever you're giving away, about another ten G's. You can pretty much anticipate that. Yeah, it's up quick. As DE, I mean, as DTT, I did no swag in the beginning. So you could take the 10K out and not do any swag. But again, it depends on the company. Um, corporate gifts, you're going to be pretty much in 2K. You have certain customers you have to send crap to in order to make them feel like they're loved at Christmas time. <laughs> I think it's nonsense. I don't spend a lot on it. But you still are going to be pretty much out two G's, no matter how many ways. Whatever you, you sent me, I think got lost in the mail. <laughs> my <laughs> joke, my joke. Yeah. I mean, print media. This is a. I think the average starting company spends about twenty four k in their first year to do print media. Mm. Now Dunbarton, we spent fifty four hundred um, in print media. So again, we're not a good example. But I think you pretty much have to budget about twenty four k in order to do print media, and I think you have to budget about another five k to do digital media. Again, Dunbarton's not a good example. I only spent fifteen hundred in the first year on digital media, but I had a tremendous leg up. You're going to have your membership fees and the various organizations that you're going to have to join. It's going to be roughly about twenty five hundred dollars a year. You then have your trade show expenses. To go to the PCA as a small company, let's say a 10 by 20 booth, I think a reasonable number is about 25K out of pocket as to what you're actually going to spend to attend a trade show. I think, I think for a lot of 
I think for a lot of companies, they don't even realize what they're spending on the trade show because they put it in all these different buckets and they never really look at it. But 25K is a pretty good number. And if you're going to do TPE, you're probably going to be 15K. Am I saying you can't do it for 18 instead of 25? No. But you can also go to the trade show and in a 10 by 20, you can spend 42,000. So I think 25 is a very fair, reasonable number. Um, professional fees, you're going to spend about 7K on accounting because it's a very complex business because you have cost of goods, you have inventory control, you have constant shifting cash flows. I think if you're spending less than 7K a year in an accountant, you need to get a new accountant because your accountant sucks and they don't know what they're doing and they're probably costing you money. So if you're not spending at least seven a year in a business, you're just an idiot. Um, and then um, you're going to have about another 2K in just general legal expenses that are going to crop up during the year. And that's with no problems. Because look, there's certain states. State of Ohio requires certain things. The state of Maine requires certain things. So there are things that you're going to have to do that even if you have a reasonable priced business attorney, you're still going to be out two to three Gs. Um, FDA legal. That one's a monstrous category. Um, look, last year barely spent anything. Um, I had one year I spent 125000 to comply with the FDA legal. So that's just a big, nebulous, who the hell knows what it's going to cost you. It could cost you zero, could cost you over 100 k Okay, that's how big the range is going to be as a small company. Can you do it for less? You can do it for less. Again, the FDA is not something to mess with. So I think it's something you have to take in consideration, but I didn't even put it in the number because there's just no way to compute it. So on the back of your head, you just have to say, I need to have an extra 100K just in case for that. Um, Deals and discounts. I was looking at what the average industry discount is on selling about a million dollars worth of product. Deals that you're going to give at a trade show, deals that you're going to give on a, a whatever, a bi-monthly basis to entice the retailer to reorder, you know, yada, yada, yada. Opening order deal. Yeah, opening order deal. You're going to spend about 7.98%. So if you're going to try to do about a million dollars, you're looking at about $80,000 roughly in deals. Now, if you do half the business, you're going to do 40000 But the problem is if you do half the business, it's going to even put you more upside down because your rent doesn't get cheaper, your accounting doesn't get cheaper, your computers don't get cheaper, your phone service isn't cheaper. So that's going to have a major impact on you. Credits. Credits are just, look, Things get messed up, they get broken, they get lost. You can pretty much figure you're going to do somewhere between 2 to 5% on credits that are going to be returned to the customer. So if you're doing a million, that's 5000 If you're doing a half a million, that's assuming you have a really good quality product and you have a really good warehouse that picks and packs well and does their job is what you're doing. Those numbers can actually be considerably higher. Non-cash expenditures, I put it on there because it's important, but it's not important in year one and two because now you're talking about amortization and depreciation, but those numbers do mount up over time. So in the beginning, it's insignificant. And then state and local taxes, I can't tell you what those are going to be because that's going to depend on your local place. If you're in California, it's 67.5% of every single cigar you buy. If you're in the state of New Hampshire, it's zero. If you're in the state of Pennsylvania, it's zero. If you're in the state of Texas, there's only a penny a cigar. But depending on where you are, some states, you know, a lot of states have 20 to 45% wholesale taxes. So if you're buying $500,000 worth of cigar, that's an additional 90K worth of taxes in that individual state. So you really need to figure that number out for yourself. Taking all of those things in consideration of what it takes to operate a business, 
separate of employees and separate of cigars and product beyond your initial get it in the United States order, you're looking to spend somewhere between 300, uh, roughly 377 to probably 450,000. Can you do it for 300K? Probably, but you're not going to do it for much less. And you remember, I'm talking about what it takes to have the infrastructure necessary to actually support. Because having a good cigar alone in a good package isn't enough. Because you have to understand that our customer is the retailer, and the retailer doesn't like to do business with people that are a pain in the ass to do business with. So you have to have a good back office, ultimately, that runs efficiently and a good warehouse. How is your business surviving? Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) There we go. All right. So now I have the flex expenses, and this is where you were asking, cost of goods. As we sell, once we sell those first cigars, we got to buy more cigars, right? It's an ongoing forever expense. I think that what you're looking at is to do about a million dollars worth of business, you're going to end up spending somewhere around $735,000 roughly to justify, well, about 1.2, 1.3. You're going to be somewhere in the 700K as a running cost on that per year. You're going to be out about another 32,000K in outbound freight that's going to cost for you to ship those cigars out to the retailer. Now, you may or may not recoup that cost depending on how much you charge for shipping. Most manufacturers try to zero that item out, but you are going to have to pay the 32 even if you get the 32 back. And then credit card processing, you got to pretty much figure that's going to be about 3% of whatever your total gross sales are. So on a million, it's just very simple. It's about 30K. Um, commissions is a big one. Depends on how many reps and brokers you use. When you're starting out, you know, average reps, they want 15 points right off the top. So if they sell something for 100, they want, they want $15. Um, I wouldn't recommend going down that path. I would recommend grinding it out more yourself. But it is an unavoidable number. Um, I think that if you use an average of about 10% for most companies, that would be a fair number. In the case of like Dunbarton, we literally do like 4%. But part of that is because we don't have reps in a whole bunch of territories, and we happen to be able to sell direct to so many of our wholesale customers that it isn't necessary to have those brokers. But that is a very significant line item. Yeah, and that is not, again, on your cost. It's on your selling price that the that is reps correct. are getting. So it's a, it's a much bigger number. It's, a du- it's really essentially double Yeah, when you look at it that way. And look, I'm not saying they're not worth it. Right. And when you're a small brand and you have no awareness whatsoever, uh, they ultimately, all, a lot of times, can make the difference into whether you succeed or fail. But you have to understand that it's going to be a very significant cost going into Well, the it. aggravating part of it is when you look at it, they're making more money than the brand owner. They're making so, way more money yeah. than the brand owner. But look, they have expenses that come sure. out of it because they pay their own car expenses. Yeah. They pay their own hotel expenses. They pay their own per diem expenses. So, you know, they're, uh, reps and brokers are not really – I don't think they're making mint. No, no. If you have a certain brand that's like, hey, I got a million and a half dollar brand in my territory that's like easy reorder. And then, then what happens then it to that brand, good. though? Then they end up getting a company purse and they end up losing that brand. So that's a cycle that happens. And the thing I didn't put in here was employee cost. And I'll explain that a little bit more as we go to the next page. Um, 
an average employee is going to cost you somewhere. Let's say it's an average $40,000 a year employee. You're going to have their 40. You're going to have about another 4K in payroll tax. You're going to have about another K in administrative costs for their payroll and their payroll tax processing. And you're going to have about 10K a year in health insurance. So a 40K employee is going to cost you somewhere around 55K a year. So you have zero employees and you're the only employee, then that number is zero. If you have three employees, then that's going to be 150K a year. And that's assuming you have 40K a year style employees. Obviously, these numbers, if you got a guy that's 75, you got another one that's whatever, but you're not getting anyone to work today for less than really 35, 34. And that's someone that's, you know, in the warehouse picking and packing boxes. You're certainly not going to get anyone that's going to interface with your customers for a penny less than 40 G's a year. And again, if you are, you're just, again, an idiot because you don't want that person <laughs> to be the one that's the first point of contact. You with might your be the customers. only person I know that can insult someone that you haven't met yet. <laughs> <laughs> this person doesn't exist. It's He's a just, fictitious person and you're still insulting them. Good. Steve, I, I can't say anything but thank you for all, all right. the work you've done so oh. far. I know you got more, but we got to go, we got to go to a break. But so far, I had a whole bunch of different things written down in case you skipped over anything. You've wiped out my list, and you've added things on it and opened my eyes. And I put a lot of brands out over the years. Uh, but the, the, the cost is astronomical. Uh, and you look at this. As Steve said, can you do it cheaper? Yes, but can you succeed by doing it cheaper? You're setting yourself up for failure if you do it for far so much I mean, less money. Basically, at this point, we're at 150 for the product, and we're about 375 to operate the company the first year with no employees. Yeah. With no salary. Yeah. That's about where you are. Yeah. And you have had no success because when it's going to come to where you're going to knock on the door of the retailer and he's going to tell you no nine times, you're going to have to drive out on your expense again to get the 10th no this or is the why, possibly yes. Yeah. This is why the famous Oof. saying is if you'd like to make a million dollars in the cigar industry, start with $2 million. Right. And end up losing it. So um, what do you think uh, of this cigar? Uh, we're wrapping up here the first cigar of the night, which is the uh, Leaf by Oscar 6x60 Maduro. It still has that uh, dark chocolate component. There's a little bit of leather showing up on the finish, but there's still that underlying honey sweetness. A little beefed up a little more, maybe yeah, one point more, up yeah. as it gets down. That's, that's what I get on it, too. Yeah, Good. Still, still picking up a little bit of the spice on the finish. I thought it was a genius idea. Gimmicky? Yes. This Paladin de Sock is amazing. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, um, we'll, uh, we'll get to more of this and, and lots more. Uh, my, my show notes, uh, I'm going to scrap most of this uh, because this is fascinating to me. I hope it's fascinating to you. People ask all the time these questions, and here it is broken down line by line. Uh, it's it's really awesome information. I hope you, you're getting at those that have been asking that question. All I got to do is refer you to this episode in the future, and I don't have to answer your questions anymore. So that'd be great. We'll get more when we come back. We're live in the Toscano Cigar Sound Stage, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Are you a member of the Cigar Authority Care Package? Well, if not, my friend, the time is now. For just $29.99, you get four premium cigars delivered to your door each month. And we'll smoke those cigars along with you during the show. Is that really a benefit? I think it is. We will judge the construction, flavor, strength, and review the cigars, and you'll see how right or wrong we really are. You might be surprised. Four premium cigars delivered to you for just $29.99, and you can quit any time, but you won't. The value is incredible. Want to take this 
Cigar Authority Care Package to the next level, sign up or upgrade to the Cigar Authority Care Package Prime. For just $5 more, you get an extra cigar and usually something special. That's five cigars each month, all different. Find the Cigar Authority Care Package on thecigarauthority.com and sign up now. That's the Cigar Authority Care Package. Aging Room 4 Nicaragua Maestro. Named Cigar Aficionado's number one cigar of the year with a 96 rating, is a complex Nicaraguan puro carefully blended by Rafael Nodal and made by A.J. Fernandez. As Cigar Aficionado described it, every puff is an overture of flavors that's at times heavy and rich with notes of dark chocolate and wood, and other times subtle and understated with hints of fine caramel and toasted almonds. Treat yourself to an aging Room 4 Nicaragua today. Surgeon General warning, tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast. Or better yet, Passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th Anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th anniversary as the decade on steroids. The 15th Anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Justo and his father Julio Eiroa are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa tobacco farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation 
is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. Sono Michael Cappellini dal Toscano Cigars e stai ascoltando al Cigar Authority sul United Podcast Network. Benvenuti a tutti voi. And we are back with Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. We're talking about what it really costs to start a cigar brand properly. I don't know about you, but it's pretty shocking, and we have more to come on that. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to go to the second cigar of the day, and we did a little promotion with it last night. We'll show you what that is. But, uh, Barry, what do we have here? Today's second cigar is the Garofalo La Familia, and it's manufactured in Nicaragua by Perdomo for United Cigars. The size is a 5x54 Robusto, and it features a Nicaraguan sun-grown wrapper that's aged for five years over Nicaraguan binder and fillers. It, too, is part of the Cigar Authority care package, and a single will set you back $9.99, while a box of 24 is $191.99, which comes out to just $7.99 per cigar. That's a savings of almost $40 or 20% off the box price on TwoGuysCigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retail that carries it, try TwoGuysCigars.com. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. So I told you about the Cigar Wars, the little promotion we ran on it. I chose this one because I thought for sure this was going to win on it, but it didn't. It came in second. The Connecticut actually beat it out, but let's give it a cut and light and taste it. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax, and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. So this was the spicy one, and I thought it was kind of in between the two, but the fact of the matter is people thought that the uh, Connecticut had more, more flavor, but I think this is spicier anyway. Mm. Um, we ran a promotion on uh, the show uh, last night, which you can catch that show. Uh, it's on um, YouTube if you want to see it again. But the promotion we ran, which we're going to run till Tuesday, I might as well tell you about it anyway, is buy any box of Garofalo La Familia, and that's the Connecticut, the Sun Grown, or the Maduro. You'll get free shipping plus the Garofalo Pasta Basket, which will include two pastas, I think a spaghetti and yeah. a... Um, and a what do you call that? Pasta. What do you call the steel thing there, Scula Basta. A Scula Basta. Scula Basta, the, the metal colander. And... Um, um, a colander, 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 colander. <laughs> God, just you stick with school of pasta. All right, the school of pasta, the uh, two pastas, the sauce, and the cigar authority cookbook. All the money on the cookbook goes to charity anyway, but the whole thing is yours for free. And we still give the money to charity anyway. Uh, it's good till Tuesday morning. Yep, and you must put in the comment section meatball 2022, otherwise. We might accidentally forget to include it, so put Meatball yeah, be, 2022. Yeah, because if other people are just buying it because they didn't hear the promotion, they don't get it, so uh, up till Tuesday. Or if you say, I want to try each and every one of them instead, just pick any 16 out. If you want to try the, each wrapper, you can go you know, any combination, any size, anything, 16 different single cigars, and uh, we'll still pay the shipping and give you the... Um, 
School of Basta package. The School of Basta package. The um, dinner, basically dinner for four. Provide you dinner. Dinner for four. Yeah. Two oh, pounds of pasta. Four. Dinner for two for me and you, but for the <laughs> average person, four. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that that's the FOA if you want to do it. Uh, but uh, we missed over one segment on the last thing. It's time to ask the dawn. So let's get to that. It's time to ask the dawn. Brought to you by Don Rafael Cigars. Don Rafael Cigars are premium cigars. Mellow and smooth. Built for every man's everyday enjoyment. Don Rafael Cigars. Now, here is the question of the week. Guys, gets creepier and creepier every yeah. week. The following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of the CigarAuthority.com, and Sean writes in with a question. Good day, gentlemen. I have a 3,000-count cabinet humidor, and I have a lot of single cigars in it. Is it okay for cigars that have different origins or wrappers to sit or stand side by side, or will the flavors blend into each other? I ask because I had a cigar the other night that I normally find very flavorful, but this time the flavors were kind of muted, it was a San Andreas wrapper sitting with Connecticut Shade Cigars. Thanks for the info, and have a great week. And uh, why don't you answer that for us, Steve? Maybe it's the COVID. Can we get along? Yeah, the answer is no. Don't worry about this at all. The concept of marrying cigars is one of the things that internet geeks like stress out over and internet experts swear by, but it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> the only thing that I would have any sort of real concern about is... I would not put any of my infused or flavored cigars in the same cabinet humidor with the others. But for the average consumer, this is a total non-issue. Look, ultimately, when you get to the size that he is, you know, you may want to start thinking about having something where you can put entire boxes to keep yes. them in their individual boxes. But the concept of uh, the cigars taking away or giving to the others is just, it's so negligible that it's not even worth discussing. Here we go. There's your answer. Let's light this thing up. We're going to light our cigar today with the Duke by Lotus. The Duke by Lotus features single action, three jets in line, fueled by the patented Vertigo big-ass tank. And on the back, you have a full-size flip-out guillotine cutter, all for the low price of $69.99. That is the Duke by Lotus. Duke, Duke, Duke. <laughs> I was upset that we weren't going to get serenaded. Here you go. And there's the spice. That just just having the um, leaf by Oscar earlier on with chocolate notes and things like that. Now we got spicy notes. Completely. Those that are listening, you ha you have both uh, cigars. If you're in the care package, you see the dramatic difference that's, that's happening on. But both don't be notes. scared because the cigar starts off with that full flavored experience. That does not necessarily mean it's going to be a powerhouse nicotine wise. It's a flavor bomb. If you're concerned about a cigar tasting this strong and you're concerned that it's going to be too strong just smoke it a little slower slow your puff rate a little bit you'll be fine you'll get right through it i think everybody was saying last night and the night before that we ended up having that tasting that uh aggressively early starts on and then mellows out a bit mm -hmm. uh across the board on these but uh see what you think okay steve where are we all right so now we're to what i think everybody would really like to hear and what i'm going to do and this is something that nobody ever does I'm going to actually tell you what happened to Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. But I have some caveats on this. First off, that I have an incredible advantage. 
because I actually know how everything works. I also have the advantage of I'm well-known, so my product sold easier than a lot of people grinding out from the beginning. Okay, so that's a definite difference. And the one thing that I want to explain to everybody out there is that I'm in an industry that ultimately always fakes it until they make it. Because consumers don't want to smoke cigars from companies that aren't doing well, and retailers don't want to buy cigars from companies that aren't doing well. So I'm in an industry that essentially always lies. That's the way it ultimately works. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you exactly the the financials of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, taking all of these things into consideration. And this is top secret, so don't tell anybody, folks. Yeah. Have you consulted your attorney before I doing don't this? give a damn. It's a privately owned company, so <laughs> um, I'm sure Dave Lafferty is going to flip a wig when I do this. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so when I started the company, I put $525,000 cash into it out of pocket. That was the investment that I made cash into the company to start the operating account, to buy those initial cigars, and to set up the company. That is separate of any tobacco purchases. I didn't include those in this because tobacco purchasing is not something that a normal cigar company would do starting out. Tobacco purchases are something that's pretty much for the big leagues, but I put about a million and a half dollars there. But the average person starting a brand is not going to do that. They're going to work with the tobaccos that the factory supply, and those costs are going to be buried into their cigar costs that we talked about earlier. And these numbers that you're going to say were when you started or before you started, which was six years ago. Right. So, in 20- Does that save you money buying the tobacco? It does in the long term, but I think I don't recommend it to people because, A, if you don't know what you're doing, it's a place that you can actually get destroyed in. Okay, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why I'm just totally tabling that because, and it's actually not even in the same company. So my people in the United States never see the tobacco numbers. The tobacco numbers are handled by a Nicaraguan company. So it's unrelated for all practical purposes. So this is Steve Saka with all the advantages in the world. Goes to the first trade show, offers no deals, no discounts, and sells out. First year, 525 into the company. I did sales of 313000 At the end of the year, my profit was a loss of $285,000. It left me with cash on hand of two hundred and forty k. 2016, we did $1.2 million in sales. At the end of the year, I lost $87,000. Cash on hand was $107,000. Now, in all of these years that I'm talking about, this is with me nor Cindy drawing any salary at all. We're working for free in 2015, 2016. The only person getting paid is Jonathan, and he was getting paid Not me. pretty much at the bottom end of the pay run, so that $40,000 a year style employee to begin, because he also took a discount as a family member, but he needed something to live on. Cindy and I were living off savings. 2017, we did roughly $2 million. We lost $17,000 doing $2 million. Uh, cash on hand was $106,000. That's in year three. Year four, we did $3 million. Profit at the end of the year was $72,000, still not taking a paycheck. But we are adding employees at this point, okay? So there are additional employee costs, but Sydney and I are still not getting paid. At the end of 2018, out of that initial $525,000, cash on hand was $62,000 in the operating account. 2019 was a very big year for us because we hit what I consider to be kind of the trip point. In order to be successful as a cigar company, you need to do about $3.5 million. Is kind of the break-even part. 
where things start to go better for you. And because you're able to average out your starting, costs. Right, you're, you're averaging costs, you're getting enough sales, things are just smoother. You're, now look, we're growing more warehouse space as we go, so those costs are going up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we're selling $3 million worth of cigars, we're right. buying more cigars, we're buying more packaging. But just as things go along, to do $3 million in sales, we basically lost 72 k 62 In year 2019, $4 million in sales, we made a profit of roughly 394000 But at the end of the year, cash on hand, we had about $650,000 just because of the way the payables fell. I got cigars delivered that I hadn't yet had to pay for. Um, And at that point was the first year, 2019. So that's one, two, three, four, fifth year. Well, yeah, 2015, I don't really count when we say six years because that 2015 was we're only in business for two months selling. But that was the first year that Cindy actually started to take some paycheck, but still not a good paycheck, not one that we could live on. Um, 2020, we did 5.5 million in sales. We did about the exact same amount of profit as we did in 2019, right around 400K. But our cash on hand grew to about 850K. That was also the year that I started to take a salary, but it was still a marginal salary. 2021, we did over 7 million in sales. We posted about 600K in profit. We had about 850K at the end. But 2021 was major because it was the first year that Cindy and I actually took enough salary to cover what our living expenses were. But I will say it was still less money than I was making when I was president of Drew Estate. So I've still not gotten back to the paycheck that I was earning in 2013. So that's Steve Saka with Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, who by outside perception is wildly successful. Yeah. But really, you, it still took you five years, and that's how long it takes it to takes, start any company. It takes company. six to seven years. And that's what I'm saying to somebody is when you go into this, you have to pretty much plan on not earning any money for at least five to six years. And that's if things go well. That's what you have to understand going into it right from the jump. And this was also with me using 525000 to start of my own money that I didn't have to borrow against. Okay. And I borrowed that money. Look, I know we all hear about these basis points, but that's not the type of money you get loaned when you're a small business in the combustible tobacco business. Okay. You're paying seven to 12 points on that money. So you have to add another seven to 12% on top of that if you are actually having to borrow that money. And that's also assuming that you're retaining all the equity. Because if you're not retaining all the equity, then your partners are going to expect distributions. And look, the distributions suck. If you can see just in my own case, 2019, if I had a 50% partner, it would have been 2019 before he would have even gotten his first distribution. And if he had gotten a distribution that was of any value, he would have sucked all the money out of the company that wouldn't have allowed it to do 2020. Okay. So it's just, it's such a high hurdle and such a challenge. And that's Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust with my name, with my brand selling fantastic, with me not having to pay as much in marketing, with me not having to pay as much in rep fees and brokering, with me not having to pay as much in a whole bunch of other categories. Uh, that's, that's like a, and I know looking at these numbers, yeah. these are fantastic numbers in our business, okay? I know that, but that is not what the consumer perceives because we in our industry lie to everybody to make it seem like we're doing more and doing better. And I think that's the thing that is really a big pitfall for people that are looking to get into the business is they don't ever get the truth because when you tell people the truth, 
it makes you look smaller. And I can tell you, just by me disclosing these numbers, there are people out there going, I can't believe they do so little business. Wow, I thought they were much bigger. Because wow, I can't believe they blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. somebody else is saying, oh, we did $20 million last year. We did $25 million. We did this. We did that. I'm just telling you flat out, they're just lying to you. And it doesn't <laughs> even matter if you are doing the $20 million. What's false to the bottom line? from your expenses, that you, you're not understanding your costs or something's wrong that's in here, or, geez, I make the cigar cheaper because my competitor has it at this price, I'm going to go lower. You go lower and you can't actually uh, squeeze out profit yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. And we've always said in the cigar industry, the overnight sensation is 10 years. Well, and yeah. you're, you're basically two or three years ahead right. of the normal curve. I would say I'm about two to three years ahead of the normal yeah. curve. That's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. You're, you're about right. That's about where yeah. we are. Um, I so think this is a long game. And that's the getting so in, that, making that's a the, quick, quick buck. That's you, the soccer effect you were talking about, Steve. Remember during the cigar boom in the '90s, everybody was getting into the cigar boom. People with money. And just flushing it away and getting you. out because they were going to make a quick buck. It's impossible to make a quick buck. La Polina. His numbers are way different than the numbers yeah. I told you of what they spent. Okay. Uh, McAuliffe spent and way, sales. way, way more money. And sales. And sales. Right. I, I don't know what their sales are, but I don't suspect they're at my level of right. sales. Okay. But the point is, I think, I think that most people, they don't really have a grasp of it because we portray ourselves in a certain way. And I, I'm just kind of a, it is what it is kind of thing. I'm not ashamed of these. I know these are excellent. Yeah. Okay. Could they be a little, look, had I had enough inventory last year, the number would have been 2 million higher. I didn't have enough inventory, but that's what everybody dealt with last year. We didn't have enough inventory. Okay. Could I had a $9 million year? I could have had a $9 million year last year. This year, I think I'm going to have a $10 million year. That's where I think I'm going to be. Do I know that? There's no guarantee. Okay. Now here's the problem. When you're sitting on cash on hand of only 850K and you come up 3 million short on that projection, <laughs> that bankrupts you. Yeah. That's what it does because you're spending money and putting an in infrastructure and hiring employees and buying packaging and buying cigars, anticipating that 10 million number. And when that 10 million number doesn't come, that 850K, it disappears like overnight. Yeah. It is such a, it is such a business of, pennies and accounting and attention to detail. And I think that's why ultimately most people fail in our industry because they don't understand the business side of it. Sure, They just think, oh, I'm going to make a good cigar. I'm going to put it in a nice looking package. I have a, a great brand name and a good dog and pony story. And they think it's going to sell. And sadly, that is just not how it works. Yeah. And for the number of success stories, the Rocky Patels and the Drew Estates and the um, Alec Bradleys and the Tatuajes, you got to remember, there were literally hundreds of companies that failed for those companies to become the ones that were ultimately successful. Right, right. And I'm going to tell you right now, those companies don't make the kind of money that everybody assumes they make. Because even when you do everything perfect, the best you can hope for is about 5 to 7% on average net profit at the end of the year. Beats dying in your sleep. That's what you're looking at, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you push it up to 10, 11? Yeah, does Davidoff probably do a little better? But they have huge expenses too. Yeah. So they have more risk in the game. But this is not the kind of business where you're going to invent a widget that you import from China that costs you $1.32 and that you're wholesaling out for $9. And you just have one item made by one manufacturer. You know what I mean? This is a 
very fluid kind of thing. You've got you've got crops, you've got ever increasing costs, you have market pro- pressures up and down, you have FDA regulation, you have the uh, you have the whims of you guys out there as the consumers. What you love today, what's hot now, isn't hot two three years from now. And we can think. I can off the top of my head. I'm not naming names because that isn't my place to do. But we could all think of brands that were on like super hot trajectories just a few years ago that have kind of gone stale and dull, and they aren't selling the way they used to sell. And those companies, and you see them. We very rarely hear someone saying, "I'm going out of business." They just kind of fade away, and because they're not in the forefront of consumers' minds. You just don't even think about it. But go back and look at the top list from the last 10 years and look what was the top 10 cigars on these top lists. How many of those companies are actually still in business or you still even like seek out their cigars to smoke? And they were on the top of the list. And they were on the top Never of the Never mind heat. the guys at the bottom of the right. heap. And this is, we're talking about the guys that were at the top. Right. Okay. Right. We're not talking about the other guys, which is the vast majority. Sure. sure. It's it's It's... The problem that I have with saying all of this is it just sounds like I'm being very – I don't ever want to discourage someone from following their dream. But at the same time, I really strongly recommend that you go into it with your eyes very wide, okay, as to what it's going to take. And if I'm able to do this with this amount of money, there's no way you're even going to come close to what I'm doing without three times the money. Yeah. Okay. And that's just a fact, and that's that's what experience gains yeah. you. I've seen more people lose fortunes in this, lose everything. I've seen a lot of people lose millions of dollars yeah. in this. Yeah, and it's sad to end up seeing, and you can watch it as it happens, and it gets sad, you know, and you get to know these people the way this industry is. What are you going to do? You know uh, what's really sad? What? Barry's poll question of the week. It is. about to get to. All right, let's get to it. The poll question of the week. Brought to you by Victor Sinclair. Being nice, he fires the first shot. The question of the week is brought that to you by... That was called a segue. <laughs> the question of the week is brought to you by Victor Sinclair Cigars. Victor Sinclair Cigars, the cigars you won't question. And it's uh, been very cold here in New Hampshire, so we asked you, does the cold days of winter change the size of cigar you smoke? It's so poetic. 41% of you keep it the same. Why 39? Uh, why 41% of you go for shorter cigars? And 5% for thinner and 10% a combination of such. But I do notice the people that voted that they keep it the same were uh, telling me they're in warmer climates such as Florida, Arizona. Or they also have rooms. You know, I have my man cave. I got my garage set up. It's not going to change me. It isn't the same. I'm not the guy that's having to walk my dog with my cigar guy. Yeah, but I, uh, I I go for more robustos than Toros this time of year. Yeah, so. yeah. You got a new poll? Yeah, question? there's a new poll question of the week. Go to the cigarauthority.com on the right hand side. You'll see the Victor Sinclair poll question of the week. Click it. Let us know your answer, and we'll be sure to share it next week. All right, next week I'm going to the TPE show, but I will be back on Friday if the flight is correct. Uh, that's what it says on my tickets that uh, I'll be back on Friday. So we may never see you again. Maybe it's very <laughs> possible. Uh, but I'll be back for the show next week, I hope. And I'll tell you what happened on uh, uh, Tobacco Plus Expo, uh, who was there, who wasn't, and uh, what the new things that are coming out. Uh, the following week, Ashes to Ashes. What does the ash have to do with it? We'll talk about ashes on a cigar. And, Can we uh, talk about what love has to do with it as well? Love has to, everything to do with it. And, <laughs> and that's the problem that happens in the cigar industry. Segway. <laughs> um, people love the industry and want to get into it and be part of it, but you have to go in um, ready or else you, you're going to be a casualty of it, and that means working capital. And 
Steve, you were lucky enough that you and your wife and you had a cushion and said, okay, we're both going to be in here, and neither of you has worked. Right. Most cases, if the, if the guy is the one going to start the cigar company, his wife has to work so that they can end up uh, getting by. But I had essentially two free employees for what? The first almost five years of the company. Yeah. I mean, that's then, and one of them was me. Right. And the other one was Cindy, who's no slouch, as you well know. And I was I mean, wondering when you came out, and you had your expenses on your car and all that stuff that was there, uh, because you had success with the other companies you were with, is he going to come out swinging and know what it's going to take to get on the ground? And there you were in your car driving cross-country. Yeah. And I said, okay, <laughs> he's all right. He gets it because, listen, you had a secretary at the last place, and you had other and people. minions. That, right. <laughs> Hundreds of people. And here you are by yourself again, and it's, well, let me hire some minions, and let me hire a secretary. In there. And I've seen people come back into the cigar industry that way, and it becomes a total failure. Yeah. That's not the way they started, and they're not willing to start the way they started. Because it sucks. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh it, it is a, a tough one, and this is not to discourage you. I, I'm glad you did this. I've done this before, an old episode, so you really want to open a cigar shop. I think it's our most uh, watched show we've ever had. Uh, and the same thing, like I'm discouraging you in a bit. I want you in. Welcome, come in. I love it. Uh, and if you love it, you should do what you love, and you don't work the rest of your life bullshit story that they end up saying <laughs> because it's a lot of work. Um, but I want you to know the truth. So that you don't get in there and say, this is not what I thought it was. I thought I was going to, um, you know, I, I got people working for me and I can sit in the beach with a drink and stuff. Not this industry. Not at all. I'm going to tell you, I mean, in, in case of previous companies I've been at, we've had to go millions and millions and millions of dollars into debt in order to fund that growth cycle, in order to grow that company. And many, mean, and many times that company would have When I say millions, I mean tens of millions. And, and you were at the verge of bankruptcy many times. Yeah, and a company that was doing over $40 million in business a year, we were on the verge of bankruptcy. Right. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah. That happens also. I couldn't have believed it during the COVID thing. It was six weeks that we were closed, and I was seeing the end. I could see it. You just watch the thing go because the bills stuff kept coming in. Everything, still, every expense was still there and no income was coming in. And I had 30 years, 35 years in. And if this thing ended up lasting six, seven months, I was gone. I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck, but six months was enough to kill me. Yeah. And as you well know, in the beginning, you weren't living paycheck to paycheck because mm. you, you made the comment that... You would have earned more money working a minimum wage job right. for probably the first 10 years, ten years of you being in the business. So the, the money comes way after. If you're not willing to go in the long game, uh, unless you're building the company to flip it and sell it and you get... But then you still have to do the grind. Yeah. Because there's nothing to buy if you don't grind. Yeah. The grind is the critical component. And if you're not willing to grind for a decade, you should not even start this exercise. If you're not willing to basically be underpaid and work your ass off for a minimum of a decade, just walk away. Yeah. And honestly, it kind of it kind of jades you to cigars in a way too. You know what I mean? You you get more pleasure just being <laughs> the guy that enjoys a cigar at the end of the day. The woman that lights up on a Friday while she's having her, you know, Chardonnay. I mean, it's like attending the meatball versus competing at the meatball. <laughs> that is correct. The attending <laughs> is a much better experience. Uh I, even when I hire somebody that's a cigar geek and wants to come with uh, and work there, I go, I'm about to ruin your cigar experience. 
I'm about to ruin it. If you want to end up doing this, I'd love to have you, but it's not what you think it is, and there's a lot of work that goes on, goes into it, and you've seen some of them come and go. Yeah, me. many of them. Yeah. And, and we're ones that kind of retain employees. The but. one thing that I always recommend to someone that wants to open a cigar store, and I'm sure you do the same, is go work at one for a mm. year. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to work at a cigar store for a year for 12 14 bucks an hour, yeah. then just stop. Because you're not even going to be earning twelve, fourteen bucks <laughs> right. an hour when you open your cigar store. You get to It'll be the most money you right. make in the cigar industry <laughs> right. for so nine for, years. Right. So you want to actually be in an environment and interact with customers. I would like to be able to say that's what makes the most sense in our business too. Yeah. Get work in a cigar business before you open a cigar company. The problem that we have is most of the people that are in the business in the cigar business, they're in their segment. They're in the sales side. They're in the marketing side. They're in the admin side. They're in the brand development side. They're in the factory side. They're in the tobacco side. It's very hard for you to get the experience necessary to open a company going and working for another cigar company unless you're at a certain level. And then the other problem you have is the people that do have that experience, they just don't want to go back to living on rice and beans and and grinding and doing the 80 to 100 hours a week that you're really going to have to do for those first, you know, Literally, minimum five years, and you're going to be working your ass off till 10. Yep. And there's no guarantee of success. So go work for a cigar company and keep your eyes wide open to what other people do. That's not my job, man. It's not going to be acceptable. You do your job and pay attention to the other people's job also because all of them become your job after. When something falls down and there's a big mess in the warehouse... You got to clean it. I, of course. I think people also need to look at themselves and understand how they deal with stress because you're going to have oh, a stressful oh, yeah. decade. Yeah, <laughs> and particularly when you're under always a constant cloud of regulatory and taxation, yeah. and we are in a business that we are target number one for a lot of people. It's funny that my doctor says to me all the time, "Are you under a lot of stress?" I said, "You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea." Uh, But it's time to take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. It's time for news from the insane asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true. Or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4 inches by 44 to the absolutely insane 8 inch by 80. Asylum Cigars. <laughs> feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. It's bobsled time. For the first time, Jamaica will be fielding three bobsled teams at the Olympics taking place this year in Beijing. The team trained in an unorthodox manner with gyms shut down during COVID by pushing a Mini Cooper down the road to simulate the start of the race. Yes, Jonathan, you drive a bobsled. Done that. (laughs) The team has a long way to go, though, as they're trying to crowdsource $194,000 for new equipment with an appeal called Cool Sleds for the hottest thing on ice. The athletes are committed, hardworking, resilient, and talented as any, but without elite sleds, they can never reach their potential. The fundraising site reads before adding... We don't want to be drag racing in a Prius. That's not only insane, it's asylum. Uh, so what do you think? Garofalo La Familia, sun-grown so far, flavor notes? The spice has calmed down considerably. I've smoked it many times, so I did expect that. A um, little coffee note coming off of it. Yeah, I still got plenty of spice happening there. A little walnut, walnut and spice. Like if you made coffee out of walnuts? <laughs> walnut shells? I don't know. Not the wall, the inside of the walnut. Right? The meat. 
The meat of the walnut. So walnut meat and coffee. No. Well, you said no, coffee. I don't have I any coffee. Spice. I'll agree with you with the nuttiness. I also get a little bit of sour bread and there's a touch of fig. And I think this is an early contender for Cigar of the Year. Mm. Mm. What, what do you like of the Garofalo, of the three wrappers, your choice? You've Odd, done them all. Oddly, I like the Connecticut. That is odd. It but, is odd. But the, a lot of the fuller-bodied guys are going to Connecticut when it comes to this. Uh, but interesting, uh, Perdomo did a good job with the cigar. Uh, and don't forget the deal that's out there. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have some letters to get to and Steve's thoughts on the cigars of the year. We're live in the Toscano Soundstage, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Drew Estate is about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its latest freestyle live show on the company's Facebook Live page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate Cigar, Drew Estate announced that it will be holding a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming freestyle live events including a grand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced during the February 17th, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. During each of the company's three upcoming Freestyle Live events, October 15th and November 11th in 2021, and January 20 of 2022, the company will randomly select the names of five people who attend the online show and comment during specific times in each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. The five winners from each of these three shows will create the contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win that grand prize Bitcoin. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Anduyo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. The La Aurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma, and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. Experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameron binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar and Company. Experience the rich tradition of the legendary H. Upman brand with the latest addition to their iconic 1844 line. The H. Upman 1844 Añejo uses a rich, well-balanced blend of Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Dominican tobaccos and an extra-aged wrapper that offers a deep aroma with a bold finish. The H. Upman 1844 Añejo is sure to please adult smokers looking for a delicious, handmade, premium smoke that is aged to perfection. Surgeon General warning cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat even if you do not inhale. Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Jose. Jose, Jose Dominguez. 
Did you know Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the very best blend for his namesake? Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. Now anyone that's tried one will tell you, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more. So next time you light up, make it the best. Make it a Jose Dominguez cigar. Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Jose. Jose. Jose Dominguez. This is Mr. Jonathan Carney with La Florida Minicana Cigars, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority. I had him as the winner. I thought he was going to win, but he didn't do it. Uh, you can check that old show from, from yesterday. Uh, the Meatball on YouTube. Yeah, you can also go to thecigarauthority.com. Right now it's the second post on the page. All right. Make it easier to there. find it. You can watch it direct from YouTube in that post. All right. We were smoking all the Garofalos on the show also, and uh, I thought for sure the La Familia Sun Grown would have took the, the title on that, but it was the uh, Connecticut. Um, overwhelmingly, I would say, uh, 16 to 10 to 8. So, uh, so Dave, I asked a lot of people in MeWe, um, and if you're not on MeWe, we have a nice community over there. They've asked me what it means established 1920 on the band. Is when the Garofalo family came to the United States. And so I promised I everybody I would ask. Yeah, so yeah. From Venezuela? My, no, <laughs> from Italy, and it was my grandfather, yeah. and that's when he came. And uh, I'm here because of him and uh, grateful for it. Uh, all right, so we have a prize to give away. Uh, we do. This is uh, time for the Monte Cristo email of the week, brought to you by Monte Cristo Cigars. This week's prize is a rocks glass, a hat, a pin, a billfold, and some twin engine coffee. Colin Ganley. Uh, the following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. I noticed some similar things with you gentlemen in my time in the Army. Dave seems like a colonel that I knew. <laughs> He had been there and done that and is admired by us all. However, during some of his speeches, he would go off on stories of his and we lost track of what the mission was. But we knew it. he loved and cared for us. Uh, he would hand out challenge coins. Oh, that's another story. Uh, there was a major that was like Barry. Everyone respected his vast knowledge and how organized he was. <laughs> organized. But as your brain went numb and your eyes glazed over from a briefing that was uh, long and too much information... We called it death by PowerPoint. To figure out the local culture, we had an interpreter. Like Mr. Jonathan, he had a voice with golden tones. Oh, we were not sure what was lost in translation, but damn, it sounded great. Oh, yeah, he ate funny food, too. Mm -hmm. There was the old first sergeant. That was the guy that had seen it all. The calm, solid, and steady force that made everything work. Ed Sullivan fits in here. It's the first one he got right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Like a top, you would take the info provided by the others. Like top. What? It's called top. You're it's not top. a top. Not That's a top. I just assumed like he was top. missing a word. You, you no. read it? You want to read it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, provided by the others mentioned and break it down to us as something as simple as this. Blah, blah, blah. So. But you said it with golden tones, so it was fine, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my group is made up of all wounded veterans. Thank you for your service, boys. And some of us are missing legs, arms, paralyzed, traumatic brain injuries, or blind. We help each other as we can. We make it work. But most of all, we're living life, and cigars have become a big part of that. Plus, we're all used to using a patented big-ass tank. There we go. So thank you, Cigar Authority, for taking us into 
a cigar band of brothers and sisters. All right, so that's email number one. We're going to hear three of them, Steve. We're going to pick the best one and give them the prize. That guy wins. He's a vet. Well, you might have two more vets. Following message was submitted to the contact us page of the (laughs) cigarauthority.com. Hey, guys, I've been listening to for the last few years and look forward to every Saturday to break up the long work week. As a matter of fact, I'm not only the one in my house that enjoys the show. My nine-year-old son loves to sit and listen and more specifically, loves a certain segment of the show, but that has all changed now in 2022. Oh, what segment? What the fuck is with the new Jose Dominguez commercial? Ah, As we get ready to join in singing with Dave and Mr. Jonathan, we were taken aback by the new jingle. The look of disgust on his face. (laughs) I thought he filled his diaper. I'm all in. Wait, did you say he was old. nine years old? Wait a minute. <laughs> nine month old. I'm sorry. Nine month old. Nine month Golden old. Golden tongue. Golden <laughs> tongue. Can't read for shit. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Uh, I'm all in for New Year's and new me changes, but some things you just don't change if they're not broken. On a positive note, the Ask the Don is slightly better, but it is still a terrible impression of Don Corleone. Anyway, just busting balls. Love you guys. Uh, and... One of my favorite cigar people is Mr. Steve Saka. Oh, well, thank you. Ah, there you go. A little kissing up never hurt. Uh, So Jose Dominguez's song uh, likes me singing it. The first time (laughs) ever anybody would like me singing. Uh, but there you oh, go. These are long emails. You got some yeah. like, real. You got some novels. It's, so it seems like the kids are the ones who are sad. A couple people in the chat room said their kids love that commercial. I sing to little James, and he just scoots <laughs> away. <laughs> he probably has a load in his pants. Smart kid. Some privacy. <laughs> uh, so Matt writes through the contact us page of the cigarauthority.com uh, with respect to your take on cigar of the year. I enjoy your show and have been listening for many years. Don't tell me why. All kidding aside, I enjoy the banter and education. All of that said, you are not consistent in your beliefs. Ah. Jonathan is the only one that brought up the point that different vintages for the same line and brand. You yourselves talk about how annoying it is when someone asks what's new instead of what is smoking great right now. There we go. If you believe that cigars shift from year to year, why wouldn't you select the cigar of the year based on which is smoking best that year? If a Padron whatever is smoking better than anything else, who cares? If it is the best smoking cigar, it is the best cigar of the year. Voting uh, something as cigar of the year because it is the best of the new cigars is idiotic. (laughs) Maybe what the Cigar Authority does each year is the rookie of the year and not the cigar of the year. Think about it. Should Michael Jordan not have won the MVP player of the year because it wasn't his first year throughout the 90s? I do agree that marketing is an issue with the uh, cigar aficionado list. Just think any cigar should enter the Cigar of the Year candidates. All right. That's a, that's a good segue to uh, what I want to ask Steve. But let's pick one of those uh, favorites right there. Of, you don't uh, want to respond in any way? Like, I do. I want, to get, well, I want to get to that. And Jonathan, Ed Ryan says you missed the pun at the end of the first email where he was talking about big-ass tanks. Yeah, he wasn't it. referring yeah, we, to we, the we got it. You got it. We got it. Okay, good. Yeah. Jonathan's just so caught up in his verdict. Vertigo world. I'm going to go with the first one. The Me first too, one, which was the vet, Colonel. Yep. I can't even give it to the guy that sucked up. So, yeah, I'm stu- I'm sticking with number one. Man. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, number one's got it. Colonel Dave says so. Yeah, That's that, Colonel <laughs> That was Dave. Eric. Talk about guys that lost their legs, for God's sake. <laughs> He's talking right. about them. He didn't yeah. say it was him. <laughs> we can talk about all kinds of sad things and stuff, but Cigar of the Year. 
you saw Cigar Aficionado. Listen, they're never going to even let you advertise in there, so you can talk shit about them if you want. They put Padron, 1926 This is torpedo. where it's going to get really shocking. I don't even know what the CA Top 25 was. Really? I, I haven't huh. seen it. Well, I no, number one was Padron Anniversario. 1920, 1964, 1964. Okay. Torpedo Natural, which came out 27 years ago. It's a good cigar. Yep. Should it be the cigar of the year of 2021? No. Paladin de Saka should be the cigar <laughs> of the year. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, look. I, all ratings are biased. All ratings are inherently flawed. Uh, most retailers tend to pick the cigar cigar of the year for the one they sell or they sell the most over the one they want to sell the most of, you know, magazines pick them based on a combination of, you know, their, the advertising dollars, the relationship with the people that they have. And look, even if they're not, every top list is inherently biased just by your individual taste of what you like or you don't like. And but can a 27 year old cigar? Be the cigar of that year. And again, I'm perfectly fine with it. It's their list. They can choose to put what at the top of it they want. You don't like their list. You don't like their list. In the end, consumers vote with their wallets. Everybody has their own top list. And that's how it's done. Padron is a brand that has weathered the last, what, we're talking about since the early 60s and has become one of the best continually selling of cigars. Course. Car of the year, according to Car and Driver, was the 1968 Pontiac <laughs> this year. Is that okay? If it was actually better, but it isn't. We're in an industry that we're still taking weeds and rolling them in tubes. There aren't the significant advances in like the car industry where a car from today is a world of difference from a car from the 60s. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can use it as a criteria, but I, everybody is different. Like Some lists won't rate you if you didn't get the cigar in the marketplace before September. Other places won't rent you if it's an exclusive. Other places yeah. won't rate you if you don't advertise with them. Other places won't rate you because you told them they were an idiot one time. Time. You know what I mean? You do it's, that a lot. I mean, it's just, it's the way it works. And the thing about all of this top list nonsense, and as much as I've been at the top of them for the last yeah. five years, I won't be this year. I know that because I didn't get anything out in time. It's the way it works. But what will make the difference is next year, will people be buying Sober Mesa Blues? Will they be buying Brulees? Will they be buying Sin Compromiso? They're the ones that are going to determine. And I would say in the case of Padrome, it has proven a track record of selling really well. You've done a very good job, by the way, of mentioning every single one of your brands while you've been on here. Why well, should I? We didn't even smoke them on the program. I did all this work. I disclosed my numbers. <laughs> and I'm here. Last night, I got stuck with these cigars, and I'm stuck with them again today. You're so, welcome. I mean- <laughs> uh, Cigar of the Year was created to highlight new cigars and to create excitement around seven to eight cigars that would otherwise possibly be missed by the consumer. That was the, the start of the Contenders Pack so that consumers could get the answer of what's new all in one pack. Not only what's new, but what's new and great. That's how that pack was created. And then the voting happens after that and however it gets picked, it gets picked. But even picked. that's biased because it's based on what's new and great and what you have enough of to put in the packs. Well, in order <laughs> – the bias happens at the trade show. So I'm going to the trade show and I'm going to look around for what can be a contender for the cigar of the year. If it can't make it in my store, of course it can't make it in as the best cigars because I didn't think it was good enough to actually even be in the store. Yeah, but you have plenty of cigars that are great, cigars that are in the store. You just don't have enough of them that you can get the sale volume. Yeah, from. yeah. And, and believe me, if we cannot get availability, it gets – Of course. Yeah. And, so, and I got no issue with that. So when they end up picking a cigar that was a limited release, 
uh, or somebody had on their list a cigar that wasn't even out yet, and it was yours. Well, wasn't <laughs> even out yet, and it's on their top list because it was because the best you gave a cigar. Because <laughs> he gave you, you gave us. But sample. he has on his list there like fifty thousand dollars for uh, giving away samples and stuff. So that's okay. Yeah, he gave it away. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I'm saying. All lists—they're interesting. They're entertaining. Yes, we all are. look at them. I look at them. I've been the beneficiary of many of them. I have an ego. I love to be at the top of them. I'm going to dread this fact that this year I'm not going to be on the top of very many. I understand that. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. But in the end, it's insignificant. It doesn't move the dial anymore. It's not 1996 where the number one CA cigar instantly became a home run bestseller. It just doesn't right, work right. that way anymore. There's so many lists and so many YouTubers and so many bloggers and so many print magazines. And so many and- people have had this year's number one They've had it, and, obvi- and I can tell you, it doesn't sell very well. I had discontinued it by singles until it became Cigar of the Year. Because and torpedoes don't sell well right. anymore. Only two cigars are missing out of that box, and they were bought by employees because it hasn't been opened for singles for all this time. Oh, let me revisit this. I haven't smoked it in three years. I remember when it first started coming out. I mean, boom. It I mean, go. it's very easy to be critical of lists. But in the end, they don't ultimately matter. Because guess what? There's going to be a new list, and there's going to be a new review tomorrow and the day after that. And I've asked, I've said it many times to many people, what was number two? And nobody knows. Of course not. Year after year after year, what was number two? So a top 25 list, all that matters is what's number one, which is what we did with, with the meatball. All that matters is who won. Hey, you should already discontinue the other two by that logic, right? I mean, think about it. You have a top list, top 10, top 25. No retailer could survive in this marketplace just caring what's on a top list. There's True. there's an ask for every seat. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, the biggest sellers are never on the list. Never. You know, nobody would believe that Baccarat is one of the biggest selling cigars in the world. I mean, there's no advertising. Nobody ever rates it. The best that Sherman was the host right. as far as sales go, yeah. right? Nobody talks Jewish about that. Jewish sells way more factory smokes than they sell of Liga Pravadas. <laughs> Is factory smokes a better cigar than Liga Pravada? I guess it's in the eye of the beholder. It's the person who's got the wallet. Hey, can I even entertain that a $16, 17 $18 cigar is the best? You know, because you know, it's just so out of my price point that it doesn't count. I mean, you, there's so much that goes into it. And I just, I don't know. I Look. What's your best-selling skew? My best-selling skew right now is probably Mike Rita Ancho Largos. And as far as you're concerned, that's the cigar of the year of your company because it is. Sober Mesa Brulees might be, but I've never had enough of them to fulfill demand. I mean, but in the end, this all gets worked out in the wash because consumers ultimately decide, what are the best cigars that stay on the why, shelves? Why what consumers? Gets- because the, the interesting list I saw a couple of years in a row was Jeff Borshowitz, mm-hmm. where he said, here is the number one. Here's the, Those are and, consumers. And Those you, are the, but Jeff does his by the dollar volume. You, so, like, for example. We you, had units you, and dollars. You got number one on what? Atabay, right? Was it Atabay that got it? It was Atabay or Byron. Right. And again, you know, he literally has to sell one Atabay to sell four of another cigar. Correct. Okay. Correct. And the other thing, too, is you don't have enough Atabays, so you're obviously giving Jeff a Corona some preferential treatment that he's getting Atabays where other people aren't that allow it to be that number. Because I guarantee you, when I looked at that list and I saw Atabay at the top, if I'm the retailer that's doing well with Atabay and I'm being told it's always backordered, but yet this guy has enough of them for it to actually exceed Padron sales and Opus sales, I'm kind of looking at that number going, I don't know what's going on here. Am I getting fair treatment? 
treatment. Well, so I mean, I, I if think, you want to open this can of worms, I'm happy to discuss. No, that, open that, that was the 25th anniversary. Yeah, it was a specific yeah, Adam made for, for, for him. him. There you go. So yeah. it was a dedicated skew for him. Yeah. That's the reason why. Yeah. And Jeff had probably the flexibility to order whatever he needed or hundreds wanted. And hundreds of boxes. Right, for, for that. So and, there, and Nelson has done that for other retailers celebrating a milestone. So it wasn't just specific yeah, to Jeff. Except us. Right. Yeah. Except us. Yeah. <laughs> I say it to him. He goes, I should do something for you. I go, yeah, 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 that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. We, we have a, a Bandolero firecracker finally coming. So, I saw that. Yeah, so we, I, that, we, we didn't get the out of I got an issue with that, too. I got an issue with everything. <laughs> What's the issue with the that? The issue with that is that you bump the price up on your own, for God's sake. You pay, you're willing to pay Believe United. Me. You're willing to pay United more money than you're willing to pay Dunbarton for a cigar. <laughs> Just negotiation. It's part of the business thing. You didn't put that down on your, yeah. on your thing of negotiation. <laughs> no, I did not. With <laughs> <laughs> good cause, right? With <laughs> good cause. All right, let's squeeze it in if we can. Let's get to the classic three-way brought to you by Classic Cigars. It's time for This Day in Classic History, brought to you by Classic Cigars. Classic Cigars are now the most affordable cigar brand in America. Priced as low as $2.99 for the Corona, and still under 4 bucks for the 6x60. Classic Cigar has something for everyone. The Classic Connecticut is light and smooth. The Classic Maduro is bold, but never overpowering. Classic Cameroon sits somewhere in between with hints of sweetness. And the Classic Cuban is a real knockoff with flavors of old-time Havanas. Classic cigars are sold in cost-saving bundles of 20 and sold in five great sizes. Classic Cigars, the most affordable premium handmade cigar in America. Classic cigars. All right, I have three questions and two Wait a minute. Pie, two I need a wipe. I feel dirty from that commercial. <laughs> you need it's a, like almost uh, pornographic. I want to yell out yeehaw. That's, how, that's our new commercial. Is there oh, a problem yeah. with that? <laughs> that's a cowboy. Yeah, yeah that's, like a, that's a little sexy cowboy going on there. <laughs> the break broke back mountain cowboy. <laughs> Is that what's happening there? You know how it goes closest without going over two points if you get it exact. And um, you guys up on stage, who's our champion? I think it's Ed. It's Ed, so we're going to give it to Mr. Jonathan. You'll go first. Struggling with ratings, Conan O'Brien left The Tonight Show after hosting his last episode for Late Night Television Program tonight. What year? Conan O'Brien left The Tonight Show. 2006. Conan O'Brien, Steve? I'm going to go 2012. 12? 2002. Two. Six will take it. It's ten. Mr. Jonathan gets a point. That's very odd. <laughs> Here's a good one for Jonathan. No, he's gonna know he's gonna know this answer. Jeff Towns. Also known as DJ Jazzy. Oh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Will Smith's DJ. American rapper. Parents just don't understand. He was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania today. What year was that? 1968. 68. 1972. 72. I got 68. 68. Everybody's over. It's 65. No points wow, awarded. That's great for his age. Last question. Mr. Jonathan has the win here so far with one. Uh, over to you, Steve. American professional baseball player Hank Aaron, one of the greatest game hitters, died at the age of 86 today. What year was that? Hank Aaron died today. What year? 1992. 1992. I have no clue. I suck at this game. (laughs) 
2017. 17? Mm-hmm. 1960. What? <laughs> 2021. He, he, he died uh, last year. Oh, I understand. You were playing the strategy. for So 17 yeah, will take the point. We have a tie. Whew. Barry and Mr. Jonathan will move it on to the tiebreaker. Over to you, Barry. Uh, Steve, you can get two points and still win. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> I know you're interested in this. <laughs> Can't wait. John Lennon and the Plastic Uno Band recorded Power to the People at Apricot Studios today. What year? Power to the People. Who goes? You. you. 76. 76. 1965. 65. I'll go with 77 just to hedge him out. 71. 71, two points for Ed Sullivan would have won, but Barry gets the point and win. Wait, what was the answer? 71. I was over. 65, you said. You were over. I, I said 65. Yeah, I said 76. Oh, I will take the point. Mr. Jonathan, and good for win. you. Congratulations. And so Mr. at least I didn't get robbed out of one competition a this couple weekend. Of, a couple of right in a row for you. You came in tie for third place. Tied for third. He was tied for fourth before, tied for third now. I've been on this program 4.8 million times, and I've never <laughs> once won that second. Just study the dates beforehand. Uh, yeah. Memorize them like Jonathan. Yeah, he has no interest in it, but that's okay. He has right. interested in being a cigar manufacturer and working his ass off and sharing all that information with you, which thank you so much for doing that. Very nice. Very, very nice and very informative, and you're going to save somebody a life of grief. Or you're going to put, enlighten somebody, they're going to get into the cigar business, and they're coming in, at least with their eyes wide open. They won't listen. They never do. <laughs> no? <laughs> nah. I would listen to it and, and listen to it multiple times. Listen to what he said. Look at those numbers. Pay attention to them. And you don't get any surprises because I walked into the cigar industry not knowing anything, and those mistakes that I made cost me a lot of money. So I try to save people those mistakes and tell them mistakes I made. It's not going to hurt me Let in me any way. Let me ask the question a different way. At what point in your retailer experience, how many years in did you feel like, okay, I finally have a good handle on this? I mean, you're never 100%. We all know that. But what, when did you start to go, okay? I understand how this works and what to do. seven years in, I got very, very lucky because the cigar boom happened. I started in 85. By 92, I started really making money. Mm. And what a surprise to me, but as luck would have it, the boom was created and all this started coming in. Without that, I'm sure it would have took the 10 years. I got a little bump because of that odd thing. And maybe somebody got a bump the past couple of years because of what COVID and shortages and they were able to move their, their thing. But after the boom was over, we saw lots of brands tank and stores tank yes. also. So the magic of that was me to learn along the way and then the boom ended. And I actually grew the next year after the boom. And after this boom is over, some companies are going to grow. And I'm, if I could bet, if this was a, a thing at the casino, I'd bet y'all going to grow after the boom is over. But unfortunately, some companies that just were lucky enough to be there at that moment are going to not know what to do at that point, And they're going to crash and burn. And we'll just all watch it together to see exactly what happens because that's what happened before. History repeats itself. Always. Yep. So that is it for today, Steve. Thank you so much. Uh, very informative. If you have a friend out there that is uh, considering starting a cigar company, uh, pass on the link to them. Let them know that that's out there because it, it is big information. Uh, I'll be back from the TP's trade show next week. Tell you what's new, what's coming out, and uh, also uh, who and who wasn't there. 
Until then, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And you certainly might have learned something today which makes you The Cigar Authority. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.